0: Welcome to the Venture Church podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm so glad that we finished on this last song because it was it was for me an incredibly powerful song. Holy, holy is the Lord. And, um, you know, when I think about it, we have our Sunday mornings here, and and it's wonderful, and it's lovely, and we get to be with our friends and our, our companions and our community, and then we walk out of here, and it's Monday. The title of my message this morning is "Living It Up in the Real World." Living It Up in the Real World. Who can uh, who can quote our our uh, vision statement verse? Who can quote it? Yeah, can you quote the one to four? Who's learnt it off by heart? Okay, so for next Sunday, the person who's learned it off by heart will get a prize. Okay. Folks, sometimes we, we come on a Sunday morning and we hear messages and we hear a wonderful vision statement and, and we are rah, 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 rah. But it's almost like the imaginary world. When I was a child, I loved playing imaginary games. I played Indians and cowboys, and I was always Hiawatha, just so you know. Um, And if you don't know who Hiawatha Hiawatha was, go and look it up. But I was always Hiawatha, and my other brother Charles, who you'll meet in heaven one day, he was always the cowboy. So we would have amazing games, and then as neighborhood kids, we would ride around on our bicycles pretending that we were Chopper One, I'm showing my age. None of you. You all know what was it? Airwolf, werewolf, what was it called? <laughs> chopper one was before Airwolf. So now you really know, but we'd be yelling to each other Chopper one, Chopper one, come in. And you're riding frantically on your bike. And then my mother would call us in for vegetables. <laughs> Talk about a real sudden rush. Into the real world, and a problem sometimes is that church and our connect groups are not part of the real world because we don't we don't have this in our everyday place. We don't have these people with us. Well, apart from Angie, <laughs> we don't have these people with us in the real world. We're kind of out there on our own, and it can get really, really hard. Because let's face it, the real world is tough. Sorry, gentlemen, am I, am I upsetting you? <laughs> the real world is tough. Um, a couple of Saturdays ago, we were, we were at a having a lovely time, and some of the conversation went around how tough it is to be a Christian in the world that we live in, and um, I understand, I understand, because on a Monday morning you suddenly hit with traffic lights that don't work. Uh, you hit with load shedding that happens as this very crucial document you are about to save, and you thought you were still had a minute left, and the lights go off. You are met with that co-worker or that manager or that lecturer that you like, oh, that one again. It's real. It's real. And now you're expected to live it up. So my first point is, it's real, the real world. Look at Matthew 5, verse 10 to 11, 10 to 12, and I think it is up there, so... Look how encouraging this is, just for a moment. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Hello. (laughs) Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The good news is, folks, you can expect to be persecuted. You can expect to be insulted. You can expect for people to say ugly, nasty things about you. I enjoy how the message puts it. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution, encouraging. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom because that's where it should be taking you. Not I'm dialing out, more I'm dialing in. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. Jesus. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort, and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens, give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do. All all of heaven applauds, and know that you're in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. And just in case you think, oh, there's only one little verse like that, Nadine, let me break that bubble for you gently. James 1 verse 2 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, in this world you will have trouble, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So encouraging, hey? Gosh. I don't know about you, but those verses kind of make me go, gulp. I'm going to be persecuted. Great. I'm going to be insulted. Wonderful. People are going to say evil things about me. But I like people to like me. And now they're saying horrible things about me. It's real. And I must handle all of this as it produces perseverance. And, oh yes, Jesus will grant me peace and he's with me. So he's feeling like, oh great. Great. This is a wonderful life to live. It's just so exciting. My point number two is how do we navigate these things? All of us are surrounded by unbelievers at one point or the other. I um, I said to Francis a while ago, there's a part of me that misses the corporate world because I got to be amongst wonderful, beautifully unsaved people. And I loved it. When you become a pastor, your, your, your field of influence becomes the shopping attendant, the petrol attendant, <laughs> the, the customer that you have to buy something from, the client, whatever. But it becomes a little bit limited. But I loved it when I was in the workplace because I'm the type of person who would pray for people and who would tell people about Jesus. And I miss it. For others of you going, I'm in this workplace, and it's really, really, really difficult. And so I have a couple of questions for you. Which category do you fall into when it comes to unbelievers? Do you like them? I love them. I have to tell you, I love them, especially when they're so unfiltered and they drop those big F-bombs. I'm just like, oh man, I want Jesus to get hold of you (laughs) so badly. (laughs) Do you hate them? And there are. There are people who hate unbelievers and who are very condemning about them. Do you tolerate them? "Ah, I have to be with these people day in and day out. I'll just play nicely. I'll smile and wave and I'll get through the day. I'll tolerate them. Are you concerned about their salvation? Mm, Are you concerned about their salvation? Do you like them when you're not in the Christian community? Do you act like them? And I've seen that in the in the business place where someone professes to be a Christian, but oh my word, <laughs> they are dropping the bombs and they are drinking and they are, and then they get to church and they're suddenly very, very, very holy. Do you act like a non-Christian when you're with non-Christians? to be accepted. I'm not saying it's something that you deliberately want to, but you just want to be accepted. You want to be liked, so I'll just be like them while I'm in their space. Do you snub them? As in, you're a non-believer, I'm not talking to you. Do you snub them? Some Christians think that being kind to unbelievers is like throwing pills before swine. Then there are Christians who stand on street corners, in malls, and in front of abortion clinics to witness to unbelievers. That takes a certain gifting, I have to tell you. Because as verbal as what I am, I'm not sure I have the guts for that. So God would have to do a huge miracle for me to stand on a street corner, I'm just telling you. Do you just not care one way or the other? doesn't really matter to me. I live my life, they can live their lives, and we happily get along. Do you share your faith using hugs? Or headlocks? Do you all know what a headlock is? Who doesn't? I'm dying to demonstrate it. (laughs) Do you share your faith with hugs or with headlocks? Or with honey or a hammer? Or do you even share your faith at all? These are some of the challenges that face us in the workplace. But where do you fit in? It's really hard. And and I'm not trying to tell you it's easy. It is really, really hard. But have we not today had songs of how great God is and how we worship and how He breaks down walls and how He sets prisoners free? And we have to believe that inside of our hearts. I was watching a, a podcast the other day and this guy was saying, you know, if we don't have our foundation strong, anybody can say anything and we'll go with it. What's your foundation? Is your foundation deep down inside of you that God is good, He is great, He is holy, He is wonderful, He relentlessly pursued me, pursues me and I relentlessly pursue Him. Have you got that in your heart? Because I have to tell you, there are so many passages that actually help us to navigate this world of unbelievers. But you've got to have that fundamental belief right down deep inside of you that I am loved by Jesus who gave up everything for me. And that is why I can walk with my head held high. We sang a song, lift your heads up high. Fear no evil. Colossians 4, verse 5 to 6 says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So it's always good to read one passage in some other versions, and so I chose the message says, use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. People want to kill themselves laughing when I tell them, I'm a a happy clappy, but I've kept my brain. Because you know, (laughs) some people say that happy clappies have left their brains. Their brains are brand new because they've never been used. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others, in a conversation, not put them down, not cut them out. Firstly, we need to understand that the Jews are talking, when they talk about outsiders here, they were talking about anybody who wasn't a Jew. So they were being told, hey, you Jew, you need to start loving those outsiders. And uh, Jews can be very, 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 very exclusive. And here they're being told to love outsiders. So we can take that as as believers, we can't exclude the non-believers. We are told to include them. In the context of the early church, believers were often slandered by these outsiders. Hello, (laughs) who's been slandered by a non-believer? Oh, just me and you, Uh, only about four people. Wow. Now, I've been told so many times what they think of Christians referring to me. Um, Christians were called atheists. Can you believe it? By the Jews, remember? They served no visible gods. They were unpatriotic because they did not burn incense before the image of the emperor. And immoral because of necessity, they would often meet behind closed doors. So let's transfer that now to us. Today there is an attack on the church. Christians are called bigots because they condemn homosexuality, intolerant because they oppose abortion, religious extremists because they condemn sin, and no minded because they believe there is one faith, one Lord, and one baptism. I had such a huge debate with somebody in the workplace once when I said, but the Bible says there's only one way to Jesus. Only one way, and that is through Jesus. He was, oh, how can it only be one way? Well, Francis preached a preacher on that a while ago, so I'm not gonna go and, and repeat it, but go and listen to it. God is not exclusive. He's not exclusive. So, folks, we are work- walking tightropes nowadays, and we have to have wisdom when we are speaking to people. <clears throat> Because the Bible says, despite all these attacks, we are to remain humble, loving, caring, kind, and gentle. (laughs) Hello. My husband always says, I don't have, you know, the fight or flight um, behavior, what what do you call it? The response syndrome. I, I don't have a flight syndrome. I don't run away from danger. I just want to fight. And poor Francis is working hard on trying to encourage me to be a peacekeeper. And then I go and read verses like this. I have to be humble, loving, caring, kind, and gentle. Magistrat. If we are not, if we do not show love and forbearance in the face of cruelty and insults, can we really say we're Christian? Dare we say that we are Christian. And uh, I'm 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 a problem. I really am and, and you can there's one of my children sitting there and there's another one over there. If I hear somebody saying, Oh Jesus, you wanna you wanna come tell them what I say? <laughs> I say, Oh, you're calling on the Lord. Are you ready for when he answers you? That's one of them. My other one is, oh, you also know him. Can we talk? <laughs> Another one is, oh, you're saying Jesus. Can we have a prayer meeting? Because obviously, that's that's why you're saying it. And I have to tell you that one time I lost a friendship because I stood up and said, I really don't appreciate you using the word of the the, the name of the Lord in vain in the way that you do. And I lost that friendship because that person wasn't prepared to change. So I understand we can, we can joke about it, we can laugh about it, but it hits deep for us when somebody does that. And what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? And I'm not saying we have to be nasty. Remember, we ask the Lord for wisdom when we answer, when we reply. The television hasn't helped the Christian case either because I don't know if you watch TV series, the Christian is always the baddie. <laughs> They're always the baddies somehow. They are the bigots. They are the impossible. They are the non-negotiables. It doesn't help our case at all. And so we're up against quite a lot. But you know what? We can live it up. We can live it up in this world. And so my third point is how to live it up in the real world. So, I mean, I told you my story about this morning having to do the the PowerPoint thing. I was not setting my mind on Christ. I was not setting my mind or my heart on the higher things. I was in the middle of, this is stressful. I've got to get all these songs down and get here by by sort of eight o'clock. This is stressful. But in that moment... I set my heart again. I had to do a reset to set my heart on Christ, and sometimes that's what we have to do in the real world. Stuff happens, and uh, and you kind of it knocks you, and you just you like going backwards, you flailing backwards, and you've got to do a reset and say, Lord. I want to set my heart and my mind on you and on things above. I don't want this to determine how I'm going to behave. And we all know because we've heard this so many times, but folks, I can't, I can't tell you how important it is that we are spending time in the Word. We have to spend time in the Word. We have to be praying. We have to be talking to the Lord. And we have to be waiting for the Lord to talk to us. We can't just read the Bible and go, tick, done my reading for the day. We need to spend that special time with the Lord where we are listening for Him and He's listening to us. Because that helps us in the real world. If we don't have that, we're going to flounder when people come at us with attacks. Understand that when we do that, there has to be a change in our behavior. 1 John 4 verse 20, and just a quick side, there's a lovely blog on our website on 1 John 4 verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And there are many, many passages in the Bible. Understand that as we read the Word, we have to have behavior adjustments. There has to be changes within us. And so I can't read in that morning, Oh, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister... And then I walk out the door and I start cursing and yelling at everybody who crosses my path. I've just ignored what the Word says. And so are we allowing the Word to change us, to adjust our behaviors, to make us think and behave and speak differently? Be mindful of your behavior and speech. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, not mine, that it may benefit those who listen. So I'm not saying that you can't talk about the soccer match last night, which was apparently a bit of a hot topic, which doesn't mean we can't talk about Formula One, which I don't know much about. It doesn't mean we can't talk about rugby, which I know a little bit more about. It doesn't mean we can't talk about politics and the world and everything else. But make sure that your focus is always Jesus. Just load shedding. Yo, 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 yo. (laughs) I have to tell you, when it was a four-hour slot, I was really saying to the Lord, are you calling me to another country? And I really, really asked him, please call me to another country. (laughs) And I was seriously down on my knees saying, please, please, please call me to another country. And he laughed, just like you all did. It was hard. And it still is hard. But you know what? God is still on his throne. He still loves you. He will still pursue you. He will still be there for you. And he will take you through those things. And that's what we have to remember. That's wholesome talk. That's talk that points to Jesus. And I don't have to say to people, oh, you know, I'm I'm a believer and I'm coping well with all this load shedding and it's just amazing because I get to do I don't know what. No, it's real. And I can be real. But then I can say, but my hope... Is in my big God. And can I tell you, sometimes when we step out like that, the other closet Christians come out of the closet. Closet Christians, okay, come out of the cupboard. And you'll suddenly hear them saying, yes, amen, I agree. Don't be afraid. Learn to react. Learn not to react. You see, it's because I always react. Learn not to react, but instead, to respond. I love how Peter 1 verse 1 Peter 3 verse 15 puts it. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Remember what's your foundation? Where's your starting point? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Yes, gentleness. When we live our lives differently, we draw people to us. We don't have to run around in the workplace, in the varsity, in the whatever, going, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, look at me, look at me, look at me. Just by living differently, we can draw people to us and they will come and say, oh, there's something different about you. What is it? I once had a woman come, and she was a little bit weird. And she came to me and said, oh, there's a white aura around you. And I was like, oh, Jesus, 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 I hope that's you. (laughs) But people can see that there is a difference in you, a difference in your behavior. And they will come for you. We don't have to Bible bash. But at the same time, we don't have to listen to people. Calling our dear Jesus' name in vain. We don't. We can walk away. We can say, hey guys, have your party. I'll see you just now. You don't have to say why you're walking away, but you can walk away. Better to walk away than to enter into into an argument. But then go and pray for that person. In closing, yes, there's an in closing. Aren't you glad? Living it up in the real world is possible because we have the promise of the Holy Spirit with us. And the whole secret is not relying on yourself because like I told you, I have a react, not a response. I have a fight, not a flight syndrome. And so I really, really, really have to often say to the Lord, help me keep my mouth quiet now, please. Please. Please help me keep quiet. Please, please, Lord, please help me keep quiet. Help me to keep still. Help me not to say something. And when the time is right, Lord, tell me what to say. And we can do that because that's the way it is. I once sent an email about a church event to the wrong email address, and I got back a response from this person. (laughs) "You," I'd forgotten such words existed. I was like you know and of course I wanted to react oh man I had my whole paragraph lined up what I was going to say and I heard the Lord say be quiet and so I was quiet and then I said okay Lord help me here what's going on and the Lord actually showed me that this person had been hurt by the church and so all I did was in reply I said I'm so sorry that you've been hurt by church And know that I will be praying for your healing. And should you want to reach out to us again, please do. I never got a response. I never got a reaction. But I'm trusting that the Lord started some work in that person. Because it would have been so easy for us to start a little bit of an email war there. (laughs) But the Lord showed me and the Lord helped me. And just for fun, I used to do business coaching, and the one time I had to coach an imam, you know, the Muslim imams, it's like the, the priests, I think, and you, I was a little bit nervous, you know, because what does light have to do with darkness kind of thing? You know, these are the verses going through my head, but felt that I needed, do you know that we had an incredible time? I would ask the Lord, what must I say to him? The Lord would tell me, I would tell him, and he'd say, how did you know that? How did you know that about me? Who told you? And so here I was witnessing to this imam because the Lord helped me to, not because I'm clever and slim in those moments. And this is the promise that we have. This is what what we get when we when we trust in the Lord, and we put our faith in the Holy Spirit, and we, and we stop to say, Lord, what would you want me to do? There were those bracelets of what, what, WWW, what would Jesus do bracelets? It's really, really possible to live it up in the real world. Remember, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I love this statement by David Platt, and I'm going to finish on this statement. Radical obedience to Christ Christ. Is not comfortable. I've spoken to so many Christians who say, but I'm a Christian. Things should be easier now because I'm a Christian. Hello. When you become a Christian, the devil goes, oh, there they are. And uh, yeah. Radical obedience to Christ is not easy. It's not comfort. It's not health. It's not wealth. It's not prosperity in this world. Radical obedience to Christ takes losing all these things. But in the end, such risk finds its reward in Christ, and He is more than enough for us. Let's stand. If you're feeling like, oh, Nadine, you've got no clue the people I work with. There is just no ways I can live it up in my real world. Please do come and come and see us afterwards. I would love to pray for you. Because I believe, I really believe that every single one of us, regardless of your situation, can live it up and remember live it up is not woohoo, hoo body 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 live it up is setting our hearts and our minds on things above and that means we set our heart and our minds on jesus so if you battle with that please please do come and see us we our hearts are for you to just thrive in this kingdom for the next kingdom close your eyes with me just so you don't get distracted So, Father, thank you. Thank you that what you call us to is magnificently difficult. Because, Lord, if it was easy, it would be of our own doing. And, Lord, we only want to give you all the glory. We only want to give you all the honor. We only want to give you all the praise. Because, Father, that's where it belongs. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that as we each stand here before you, help us to understand that Christianity is not an imaginary world that we don't imagine living this wonderful life, but that we can, we can live it up in the real world. We can thrive as Christians in the, new, in the real world. We can show other people who you are in the real world. And so, Father, bless us, keep us, and keep stirring in our hearts that though things may not be comfortable, you are worth it all. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website, www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.